welcome to the weekly podcast of Covenant Grace Menifee. Each week, we gather to better understand the teachings of the Bible and how to live them out in our daily lives. We hope and pray that you're encouraged by this week's message. Good morning. Philippians 4, starting in verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Gabriel Medina. If I've not met you, welcome to Covenant Grace, and thanks for letting me serve you by bringing you the Word of God. In my Christian life, there's been two pretty big seasons that are noticeable to me that have been seasons of dryness or a season that's been maybe a lack of desire in me to do what God calls me to do. And one of those seasons was actually the season of me in 2019, leaving Covenant Grace French Valley to come here. And it was probably about a year-long season of this type of dryness or dormant season where I wasn't desiring to follow God, or I wasn't feeling like that, that push to really serve other people. And I became anxious. I became fearful in a lot of ways. I became really selfish in a lot of ways. And I think the Philippian church, the people at Philippi are going or coming out of that type of season. And Paul is writing to that church to encourage them to get out of that season, to stop being concerned with themselves, but be concerned with others. And I know a lot of us have been maybe in a season, we all go through seasons like that where we get concerned for ourselves rather than other people. And this message in all of Philippians is to be an encouragement to us to let's trust God by doing what he calls us to do, and that's being concerned for other people. Amen? So we're going to be walking through this passage with three points. If you take notes, the three points are point number one, be concerned for others. Point number two, be content in Christ. Point number three, be cared for by God. And so the three points, point number one, be concerned for others. Point number two, be content in Christ. And point number three, be cared for by God. 
So let's pray before we dig into the Word of God. Almighty God, maker of heaven and earth, we are at your mercy. We ask that you would bless us this morning, just like Jacob wrestled with you until you blessed him, and you allowed him to wrestle with you. You also kept wrestling with him until you blessed him. You allowed him to struggle with with you. Such a beautiful picture of your grace and your kindness towards us. And so I ask this morning, in the name of your son Jesus, that you would bless us with your word. That your word would fall on us and produce something that only your word can do. That it would produce a harvest great and awesome for your glory and your kingdom and that in so doing you would take care of us and take care of this world that it would be a pleasing sacrifice to you that you would enjoy it so much as we give of ourselves to you and for you and to others so that they might enjoy you please heavenly father through your holy spirit produce in us what you can only produce. Give us life this morning. For any of us who have been dormant through a season of maybe lacking the desire to trust you, lacking the desire to be concerned for others, that you would let your word fall on them fresh and encourage them and strengthen them to get up and to do what Christ did and to give of himself for others so that they might know you. So I ask, Holy Spirit, fill us, fill me, speak through me, and let us and help us to receive it as your very words. We love you. We're so thankful for your sacrifice you've done for us, Jesus. Please get all praise, glory, and honor through this morning. Praise things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we're going to be all throughout Philippians. If you have a Bible, please look at at Philippians with me. If you don't, some of the verses are going to be up there, just not the main passage. And so if you have kids and you have your Bible open, the main passage, you could stay there. Any other passage I mention is going to be up on the board for you, so you don't have to turn there. But if you have a Bible and you're free to, please flip through the pages with me. It'll be just better that way. So point number one, Be concerned for others. So quickly, if you remember last time, we we haven't been in Philippians for a while because we had our Advent season, but the last time I preached, it was on Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, which was on anxiety. And if you remember, so if you look at um, Philippians 4 and verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And this passage comes right after, right after the conflict passage, remember, with Yodi and Syntyche. And the reason why it comes right after is because Paul is reminding the church that anxiety, care for yourself, and anxiety for yourself is actually like an enemy to community, to Christian living. And so he's saying, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, you know, trust God, pray to him. And it's interesting, this word anxious is the same word that he uses in Philippians 2.20. 
Look at that. When he's talking about Timothy, he says, For I have no one like him, Timothy, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. What's cool is that concern is the same word anxious in 4.6. And so what Paul's doing here is he's, he's saying, it's okay to be anxious, but not for yourself. The anxiety that he's not okay with is the anxiety that makes you turn internal, makes you shy away from community. But the anxiety or concern that he's okay with is anxiety for other people or concern for other people. Because when the body is working properly, what does it do? It works to build itself up. And so when we're anxious, it should be an anxiety for other people. And so Paul is writing this whole book to help them and encourage them to stop looking internal or caring only for themselves, but to turn outside and care and be anxious for other believers. Does that make sense? That's a really cool nuance. And so he's okay with anxiety. He's okay with concern, but it's, it's a concern for other people. It's outward focus. And then what's really cool with our passage today, Philippians 4.10, look at verse 10 with me. So care for others. Paul says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. And that concern isn't the same word of anxiety and concern that Timothy had and that the Philippians have. It's a different type of concern. It's a concern that's a, it's a mindset. It's a thought or it's like a, a way of life. But this word is probably one of the most common words in the book of Philippians. I think he says it about 10 times in the book. And I want to show you these times where it says it. So look at 1.7, Philippians 1.7. It says, it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace. And so that word to feel is that concern, that way of thinking, that, that way of life. He feels a certain way. And then look at chapter 2, verse 2. And we're going to look at 2 and 5. Verses 2 and 5. It says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. He says that word twice in there. Same mind and one mind is that word concern, that way of thought or way of thinking. And then look at verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Having the same mind as Jesus. And then look at 3.15. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. And then look at um, Philippians 4, verse 2. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Or like the more literal translation would be, think in the Lord, which is weird to say, but he's, again, throughout all of Philippians, wanting to encourage them to think a certain way. And that thinking and that way of life is a way of living for other people and living for the people around you. And what's cool is in this part where he's saying, be concerned for other people, in verse 10 and then also 14 through 16, he's encouraging them that they're actually 
concern for other people. They're concerned for Paul. So look at it with me. So we're going to look at Philippians 4.10 and then Philippians 4-16. through 16. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. And look at verse 14. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. And so Paul is actually encouraging them. He's saying, you are concerned for me. Like, you actually revived your concern for me. Did you see that in verse 10? It says, you have revived your concern for me. That word revive is a word that they would use for like a plant that went through the winter and is now blossoming again in spring. Isn't that cool? And the Philippians went through this state or this time of dormancy. They were, they had life. He was reminded of their gift to them when he first partnered with them. But then they had this season of dormancy. We don't really know what happened there, but there was some type of season where they weren't giving and caring for him. And he says, and now you've revived your care. And one thing I was thinking about this is some of you and some of us have probably been dormant in our care for other people. Maybe there's certain people that you even can think of now that you have cared for in the past and maybe you're dormant right now. Maybe you're not caring for them or maybe you're not thinking of them. Maybe it's time for you to revive your care and concern for them and give to bless them. One thing that's really cool that we don't have time to, but if you're willing to study the word fellowship, it's a Greek word koinonia. It's all throughout Philippians. He only says it a couple times, but it's all throughout that. What it means is all throughout Philippians. And every time the word koinonia, fellowship, is mentioned, it always has material blessings in it. So people giving something. And the way that we have fellowship is giving what people need. And so we are not fellowshipping if we're just playing golf and you're just talking about sports. That is not fellowship. But you can fellowship doing golf if you're actually blessing them and giving them what they need. If they need an encouragement from the Lord, you can bless them, and that's fellowship. It's building people up and giving them what they need. And that's just a side note, but I just wanted to encourage you. Who do you need to revive your concern for in this season? Think about that. Have you been dormant like the Philippians? Have there been cares of this world that have made you turn inward? and you forgot about your concern for other people, let us trust the Lord and turn outward and care for other people. Let us be revived as, a, as we come out of the season of winter and blossom again and care for other people, just like the Philippians. At length, you have revived your concern for me. You are indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. But now let us find opportunity to care for people and that's what the Christian life is, right? Is that we would give to people. Christ, having the same mind in Christ, he gave of himself. He considered our interests more important than his. And he gave of himself so that we may be lifted up, so that we may be cared for. And that's the Christian life. 
And we'll get to like how we do that, even in the midst of having true, real cares that we have for ourselves. Like we'll get to that in these passages. But just be encouraged. God calls us to do it. He will give us what we need to actually do it. Let us this year think about how to be concerned for other people. Let us this year set resolutions that think outward, not inward. Who cares about losing 10 pounds? Like maybe help somebody else lose 10 pounds spiritually. That was, good. That was corny, sorry. I'm a dad now. I could say dumb jokes. And then point number two. So point number one, be concerned for others. Point number two, be content in Christ. Look at Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is a weird passage because he thanks him. He rejoices greatly. Why? Not because of the gift. He rejoices greatly because the Philippians now are doing what God calls them to do. But he now, it sounds weird, it's like a thankless thanks. And he's like, I'm so thankful for the gift, but I'm telling you, I'm not in need of it. I'm actually content. It's a weird thing. But what he's trying to do is tell them, he's trying to live in an example for them. He's saying, I'm thankful because you're doing what God calls you to do. But I just want to also let you know that actually I'm content in wherever God has me. I'm thankful for your gift. This is where I'm abounding now. I have more than I need, but I'm still content. And even if you didn't give, I'm still content. So he's like, don't worry about me too much. Probably trying to get them to be outward focused in their own church, not just to him. Does that make sense? And so it's a weird thing that he's doing here. But what's crazy is he says, not that I'm speaking of being in need. Why? Because he has learned in whatever situation I am to be content. That word learned is important because I think when we hear messages like this and even the way maybe I could speak is a way that makes it sound like if you are concerned just for yourself and you're struggling with that, that you're in this wrong state and you just need to stop it. You need to stop it right now and do what's right. And that's how it could sound sometimes. But what's cool is this word learned. This is a word that means that he's learned it through a, a lifetime, a process. And that's why even in Philippians you know, 4, 8, he says, you know, think on these things, practice these things. Because he knows that the Christian life is a life of practicing, of doing, of trying, of falling and getting back up and doing again. And so he's learned how to be content. He didn't just become content, just boom, and decide it. He actually learned. He had probably wealth when he was younger. He had poverty now. He was in prison. He wasn't in prison. He went to cabins. You know, he was balling out sometimes. He wasn't. You know, he, was, he had the ups and downs, and he, through those seasons of life, learned it. And one thing that was interesting to me as I was reading this, I don't know if it happened to you, but in verse 12, this is how I read it towards the end. I have learned the secret of facing hunger and need. It was weird. I kept reading it, and I would read every word, 
But I kind of kept missing that he said, I have learned how to be content in facing plenty and abundance. Like he says, I've learned the secret of facing plenty, of facing hunger, of facing abundance, of facing need. And I think it's weird because when we think of riches and abundance, having what we need, we don't think we need to be content. But what Paul is saying here is, actually, you need to be content in any stage of life. And there's some type of thing with riches that could actually hinder you in being content. Look with me, actually, at Ecclesiastes. It's not on the board. Ecclesiastes, I think it's chapter 5. I actually got to find it, too, so we'll find it together. It's a really cool passage, though. Yeah, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 12. Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. Isn't that crazy? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. And I was thinking about that verse for us because, you know, though we do have need sometime and we do have hunger sometimes, I think what's more applicable to us as a culture in this area is actually having abundance and actually learning how to be content in abundance. And he says that he's learned this and he's learned a secret. And that word secret, which is kind of cool, it was used as like pagan pagan religions where they would have this secret of their rituals that if you got initiated into the religion, you would find out these secrets. And so Paul's saying, he's like, there's a lawn drawn here. No one can know how to be content unless you know the secret that guarantees you that, which is Christ. So only Christians, is what Paul is saying, can know this secret. Though the world, though Oprah or other books like The Secret tries to get you to learn this contentment, they will never know this true secret of being truly content because the, the true secret is found in Christ. And so whether we're abounding and we have riches, which a lot of us do, and we're all doing well, we are to be content in Christ. Whether we have hunger and need, we are to be content in Christ. And for me, I think I lived a life growing up and even first few years of being married of having need. And it was cool. God got us through that, and I feel like we learned how to do that. I feel like I'm better in that. But as I got a job where I actually have security, which could be, you know, uh, placebo, but, you know, like, which I have security, I have a future, I have consistent raises, it was weird to see the blindness that happened to me. It was weird to see what actually started to happen to my heart, where I actually wasn't content anymore, even though I had everything I needed and more. I was looking at Zillow way more than I was reading my Bible. It was crazy. Like, you laugh at it, but man, a lot of us are addicted to Zillow. A lot of us are addicted to stocks right now. Like you probably check your bank account more than you should because you have an abundance and you haven't learned how to be content. This year, let's make a resolution to learn the secret, how to be content in whether abounding or in need. Let's find out the secret 
Let's dive into getting to know this Savior that can make us content in any situation. Amen? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's just a funny verse. It's really popular, and people hate on it when athletes use it. But I think we got to stop hating on them. They're using it pretty properly, right? Whether they Like if they lose... I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If they win, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. They are using it out of context. I think they're saying they can, like they're omnipotent. They can, they're all powerful now through him who strengthens him. So Paul's not saying that. He's saying I can be content in any situation through him who gives me strength. Amen? And so let us not be thinking that we're omnipotent now. We can do all things, literally. No, but we can be content in all things in Christ. And that's a nuance right there too that's important. It says, I could do all things through. It should probably be in, showing the unity of us with Jesus. So it's not through Christ we could do it. It's because we're in Christ. Why can we be content? Because we're found in him and everything we need is in him. Everything we need is bound up in the resurrected Savior. Are you struggling with sin? You can be content. You can find hope in Him. Are you scared of your future? You can be okay because your future's in Him. Are you scared of life or death? Well, you can be okay because you're in Him. I could do all things in Christ who strengthens me. Amen? And then the last point, point number three, be cared for by God. And so as we're doing these things, be concerned for others, be content in Christ. The reason why we can do these things is because we'll be cared for by God. Look at verse 17. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent me a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And so right here, verse 17, again, he says, not that I seek the gift, but why does he rejoice? Because he's seeking the gift that they will get from God. So Paul is not paying them back. So when he receives their gifts, he's not paying them back. But what he's doing, he's going, there's somebody that will pay you back, and that's God. So he's saying, I am not paying you back, and I don't even need your gift, but you know what? I want to accept it because of the gift that you'll get, the reward that you'll get from God. And one thing I wanted to say about this too is, man, Americans are so individualistic and so independent that we deny gifts all the time. Let people bless you. Let our church care for you. Are you in need? Take the help. Are you not in need? Take some help. That's what Paul's doing. He's like, I don't even need this, but I'll take it. Why? Because I want God to bless you. I want God to bless you. And man, our church is amazing at helping, but not always are we good at actually receiving the help. And so what I would encourage us to do is let us this year, let people bless us, and let us bless others. Man, but our church is seriously, you guys are so amazing at blessing people. But please, let us bless you. Please take help so that they could be blessed. 
so that God will give a gift to them that will be far better than we can ever do to repay them. Amen? Some of us might be dormant. Maybe we're not dormant in giving, but some of us might be dormant in receiving. And I think one thing that's weird with us as this culture, we're really weird about doing things for gifts. We're really weird about doing things for rewards, but God loves rewarding people. We're always doing stuff for rewards, whether it's a pat on the back, whether it's congratulations. We're always doing things for a certain motive. Let us start turning that motive for God to bless us. Like when Jesus says, you know, when you pray, don't go into the street corner, but pray in your closet privately so that your heavenly Father would reward you. When you give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, and your Father will reward you. When you fast, don't let everyone know you're fasting, but let your Father know, and He will reward you. Let us do things to be rewarded by God. That's okay. That's a motivation that God gives us all the time. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you want to study it, it's really cool. Paul says we all have this foundation in Christ. If we are in Christ, we have this foundation. We're saved. We will get eternal life. But now all of us are building on top of that foundation with either brick or hay, and then it's going to be tested with fire. He's going to come out with his torch. And then if it stands, he's going to reward you for it. If it doesn't stand, you don't get anything for it. Me and Lydia always talk about this. She really wants a Jeep. I'm like, well, maybe in the new heavens and the new earth, right? Keep doing some good works. No, just kidding. We'll probably get a Jeep later. But, man, we have too many kids for a Jeep. But it is funny. We always say that. Like, sometimes we're, we're almost giving up. I'm like, you want that Jeep? Keep going. You know, and it's, it's okay, I think, not to want a Jeep, but uh, like it's okay to want God to reward you because he lets you want that. He wants you to want that. That doesn't mean in this life, you know, it does sometimes. I think he does bless us in this life, whether it's through spiritual means or physical means. But one thing I know is that in the new heavens and new earth, he will bless us. There's something he's going to give us that's far greater than we'll ever know that we even desire. Whether it's like more time with him or whatever it is, he's going to bless us. Let us be concerned for others so that God can take care of us. Let us be concerned for others knowing that God will take care of us. We do not have to worry about ourselves. Not even a hair will fall from our head without God knowing it. And then it's really cool. Let's start in verse 18. I've received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent me, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours. Right here, Paul's saying is like their sacrifice it guarantees them that God will take care of them. Isn't that, it's kind of weird, but it's again, it's that reward system. God wants to do that. God wants us to do good works, and he promises us he'll take care of us. So some of you, it might be hard. Maybe you're holding on to certain cares of the world that would get you to not want to or be able to care for somebody else. Whether it's sickness, being fearful of life or death, do you trust God? God will provide every need of yours in Christ Jesus. Let go and be concerned for somebody else. And what's so cool is we get this picture 
of when we do that, when we give and have true fellowship with people, we have this picture that Paul gives us in verse 18. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Their, their sacrifice of giving, even in poverty, was a pleasing sacrifice to God, a pleasing aroma. And it says in Ephesians chapter 5, watch, just turn there, it's a book right before. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Jesus' death and sacrifice on the cross was a fragrant offering, a pleasing sacrifice to God. And we, through our giving of ourselves, get to enter into the same type of sacrifice Jesus gives that's pleasing to God. It's an aroma that rises up as we, as a body, care for one another. And won't we be known for our love for one another? Let us this year fill this city with the aroma that's pleasing to God by caring for this body and caring for all believers in this city. Amen? Let us give a sacrifice each and every day, each and every week, every month, this whole year. That's a sacrifice pleasing to God. And then it just sends up a pleasing aroma to the Lord where he is glorified and he is worshipped through a body of believers that is trusting God to take care of them as they're not caring for themselves, but they're caring only for others just like Jesus did. He did not care for himself as he was on his knees praying to the Father. He was being tempted, but he did not care, so he got up. Why? Caring for us, caring for you. He saw us in our deepest need. What was our deepest need? It was the sin that separated us from the love of the Father. Every sin you've ever done has been nailed to Jesus, nailed on the cross, everything. What are you ashamed of? What are you scared of? It's been nailed to the cross. What do you think is separating you from God? It's been nailed to the cross. We don't have to care for ourselves anymore. We have a God who does it, and he, send, he tends to do it through other people. So let us get on board with that and care for others. Let us be anxious and concerned like Timothy for others. Let us care like Jesus when he was in heaven. He said he's looking down and he knows that there was a body that God prepared for him to come down and take on and to die. Why? To bring people to him. To tear a veil so that people can come into the presence of God again, back into the garden. He opened up the gates so that we can come to the Father. He laid his care for himself knew and kept entrusting himself to the one who judges justly, his father. He did not revile in return, but he kept getting smacked. He kept getting beaten for us. And he knew that one day he was going to be exalted. He knew that one day he trusted in the father so much, and the father promised him, at the right time, I will give you glory. And every knee and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And he gets that access and that glory 
because he obeyed the Father and trusted the Father. And one promise that we get that gets overlooked is that if we now, like Jesus, have the same mind in Christ Jesus where we're giving of ourselves, we will be at the proper time glorified and exalted. Peter says that. Paul says that. Have this same mind, not considering your interests more important, but considering others. And he says in verse 19, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. At the proper time, he will exalt us. And we find everything, all of our needs in Christ. He will care for us. And now we can, by our trust in God, can care for others. Amen? Amen. So let us get out of our, our sleep. Let us get out of and shake off the snow. And man, let's give of ourselves to people like Jesus. Let's find strength from his sacrifice. And then the last thing I want to do, it should always make us break out into praise. Verse 20, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. When we sing these last few songs, let us sing loudly. Every time we're thankful for God, every time he receives us, even if you've been dormant, you can come back in the person and work of Jesus. Let us sing loudly. Let us sing appropriately. Let us start this year off right by giving ourselves to God and to others. And then I just want to encourage us with these last few verses, verses 21 through 23. It's really cool. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. What he's doing right there is he's doing like a mic drop, and it's an encouragement to the Philippian church. He's saying, even the saints in Caesar's household greet you. That's a triumphant victory right there. He's in prison. He's preaching the gospel to these guards. And you know who's getting saved? These guards. You know, he's preaching the gospel to Caesar's household, and he's taking over the government. And they're over here, Philippi, thinking that Paul's in prison. No, he's free. He's as free as it can be. And he's actually freeing other people from Caesar's grip. Isn't that cool? And so he's like, you don't have to care, worry about me. Even saints in Caesar's household are greeting you. Praise God. Now go and care for other people. Let's take over this world. And let us care for all Christians. Let's greet all Christians. And let's take over this world as we give a pleasing sacrifice. Even Caesar's household couldn't stop a guy that was chained. Even Caesar's household couldn't really imprison our beloved Paul. Why? Because he had a message that's unstoppable. It's like a mustard seed that will take over the whole garden. Let's take over the whole garden through the person and work of Jesus. Let's spread his work through his message and through our deeds. Amen? And let's take over. We could take over this government, not in the way that you think, through a message, right? Not trying to revisit anything, okay? No. All right. All right, let's pray. All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your kindness towards us. Man, you are so good to us, Heavenly Father. You've been so kind to us. Please receive our worship because of your Son. We come cloaked in his righteousness. In his blood, we ask that you would encourage us through the taking of um, the Lord's Supper, that you would strengthen us through it, and please receive our worship this morning and help us to worship you through our lives and affect this whole world 
through your gospel. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. Let us now go and preach the gospel, trusting you that you will make disciples, you will care for them, and you care for us. Thank you, Lord, for your care for us. We know you have. We ask these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can email us at info at May the Lord bless your week and guide your steps.